Welcome to Magic is Real, the podcast where we focus on spiritual journeys, near-death experiences, and all things metaphysical and spiritual. If this podcast resonates with you, it would mean the world if you can like, subscribe, and share with like-minded friends. Thank you so much for being here with an open heart and mind. I wish you peace, light, and love always. Hello, welcome to Magic is Real. I'm Shannon and I'm a psychic medium. And today I have with me John Davis, who is a regular guy who had a not so regular experience when he crossed over to the other side and lived to tell the tale. Welcome, John. Thank you so much for being here today. Hey, Shannon. It's great to be here. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. It's my pleasure. If you've watched this podcast before or listened to it, you know that I often like to start out with finding out a little bit about you and who you are, uh, what your background is, how you grew up in terms of your spiritual beliefs or lack thereof. Anywhere you want to start is fine with me. Sure. Absolutely. My um, my experience, it's, it's really strange because because of how I grew up. And to this day, I still don't know why I was shown the information I was shown during my experience. Because growing up, I was raised a Catholic. We were so Catholic that my dad would take us to church, sometimes two or three days a week, then on Sundays also. So my whole background growing up was Catholicism. You know, I was raised on, you know, you fear God, you, you do what's in the Bible. If you make mistakes, you're going to be sent to hell. So I was, I was very indoctrinated with Catholicism. So when I had my near-death experience, there was so many things that I had to unlearn. But I did. And it, it, my experience totally changed my life. And now what I do is I, I try to share it with anybody I can. I live in Colorado um, with my wife and I have two boys and I've spent the last 25 years out here and just sharing my story. Normally before we had the internet and social media, I would just normally share it with anybody who would listen. People at work, people I met casually and just to try to share as much as I could. I also used to volunteer for hospices because I, I thought, what better way to share my story than with people who are, who are going to be crossing over? And I realized that as I shared my story more and more, really brought hope and peace to people, especially those who were going to be crossing over. And so ever since my experience happened, and this happened back in 1987, and I was 21, and what's so interesting is that, you know, when you hear about normal or, or, or common near-death experiences, a lot of times you hear that people come back with gifts or they have abilities. Mm -hmm. Maybe they come back and they're psychic or maybe they're like you, they're a medium and they can hear the other side. Well, I didn't come back with anything like that. The only thing that I might or people might think is a gift is I came back with 100% recall of every single thing I saw, everything I experienced, what people told me, just like it happened yesterday. So every time I tell my story, my reference point is like it happened yesterday. That's how my memory, and, and, I, and I think that has to be a God thing. Because normally 
I have a terrible memory. I can't even remember what I had for dinner last night. But my experience is so, it's almost like it's burned into my brain. Every yeah. detail is still there. And I, I think that's why my story has been just so helpful and yeah. so hopeful to people because I, I remember it just as it happened. Yeah, I do hear from a lot of near-death experiencers that it's so vivid that it's like, Noah, it's not like a regular memory. And so there are people out there that say near-death experiences are all a hallucination. It's all just endorphins. The, the, uh, but the common, I mean, not the common denominator, but the common theme I hear is that people do remember so vividly. Now, maybe not every single detail like you do, because there are things they're not meant to remember. But that's really what sets this experience apart, I think, is I've interviewed people who have died of drug overdoses and people have said, oh, it's because they were on drugs. No, it's not that. It's like realer than this experience here on this earth. I remember it like it was yesterday. I can remember every single clear detail. That's what's so exciting about your sharing your story. So no one wants to hear me babble forever. They want to hear about you. But that was, if you have anything to say about that, please do. But then I'd love to hear how it all started for you. Oh, sure. Yeah, um, you're absolutely right about it being more real. When I was when I was there on the other side, it was more real than anything I've ever experienced here on Earth. And I knew immediately that I was home. That's our home. Earth isn't our home. We're just here to to learn, to experience, and to grow. But it's not our real home. And I learned all this. Uh, my my experiences, I, I can't even explain why I had what I had, but to make it easier for your, to kind of set the stage for how this all happened, we all have spirit guides. And when this happened, I had no idea. I'd never even heard the term before, but we all have spirit guides and they help us plan our lifetimes before we come in. When I, when I had my, my initial when I initially died, my spirit guide came to me and he said, my name is Alan, I'm your spirit guide. And he took me to every place that I saw during my experience. He was there telling me, and he was, he was speaking to me in my left ear. So everything that I see, everything that I explain, he took me to, and he was telling me what I was seeing as I was looking at it. So that's how I'm, that's how I'm able to share with audiences what everything was that I saw. And how this all started was my dad had won a sales contest and he won two mopeds. They're kind of like scooters back then, but they're called, they were called mopeds. And we used to ride them every weekend. So I was out riding this one weekend and I had an accident and I slammed into a tree. And the way I landed, I tore the tendons off my right hand and I had to go into surgery to have them reattached. Well, I had, I had never been into surgery. I've never, I never had anything at 21. I, I didn't have any surgeries. I don't think I even knew much about the inside of a hospital. So the day the surgery comes and I go in and they start to give me the anesthesia and it stopped my heart. I had an allergic reaction and I died. Well, after I died in that hospital room, this is where everything started. Everything unfolded from there. So the very second I died, 
I opened up my eyes and I was standing in the most beautiful white marble building I had ever seen. And my very first thought was, oh my God, I had no idea the hospital was this big. Because as far, when I looked down, it was a huge long corridor. And as far as I could see were these, I mean, it just, it just didn't end. It didn't stop. It was so long. And my guide said, he said, my name is Alan. I'm your spirit guide. So from here, he started telling me everything that I was seeing. To my right were these columns, beautiful white marble ornate columns. They were probably 30 or 40 feet high. And they went all the way down this corridor, maybe 10, 15 feet apart. Something I like to tell people to give people an idea of what this looked like is there is a temple in the Turkey country. I mean, I'm sorry, in the country Turkey. And it's called the Temple of Artemis. It's A-R-T-E-M-I-S. And your listeners can Google it. And if they look at it, they can see what a lot of these buildings that I saw looked like. They were made of this beautiful white marble. So anyway, on the right-hand side were all these columns going all the way down. In the center where I was standing were these tables, just like a regular table, but it, again, it was made of marble. And on each side were these marble seats. And there were two people sitting at each table. And it was so long, it looked like there were could have been thousands of people. I mean, just every, two people for each table all the way down. And here's the most interesting part about this. To the left of these tables were tunnels or doorways that looked like they had been cut, perfectly cut out of, out of marble. A 90 degree angle were these doors, these tunnels or these doorways. And they were maybe seven or eight feet tall and maybe four or five feet wide. And they went down and they were they corresponded to each table where these people were sitting. So my guide was telling me that where I was was the orientation center. Now here's something that I that I, I think is so interesting, and I, and I don't know how to explain why they did this, but you know how with a typical near-death experience, a, a person might be in a hospital or there might be some kind of an accident and they find themselves floating above their body, looking down at the scene, and then they become aware of a tunnel. And at the end of the tunnel is a white light. And they start moving down the tunnel and they come across somebody, someone who is, maybe it's an angel or someone they loved who'd passed over before them. And they tell them it's not their time and they have to come back. Well, we never knew, we never knew what was on the other side of that light. But with my experience, they somehow, I was able to avoid the tunnel, the person in the tunnel, the being above my body. So when they, when I got there, I was on the other side of that white light. So what's on the other side of the white light is the orientation center. So here's how this works. My guide told me to look in the tunnel, the one that was right next to me. I looked in and it was black, just like looking at the night sky was that kind of black. So when I looked in, I could see stars and planets and galaxies. And these tunnels, I don't know how they work, but the tunnels are what people take to get from the earth to the other side. They pass through these tunnels. 
here's the here's the most remarkable part is my guide told me to look at the next tunnel so i looked at the next tunnel and the very second i did a man came through and he was an elderly gentleman maybe in his 80s or 90s and he had his right hand holding his chest like he like he was in pain my guide said he died on earth from a heart attack the next thing that happened is the woman that was sitting closest to him that orientation counselor she stood up she walked over to the tunnel she took her hands in his and led him back to the table and they sat down and she started talking to him well i was too far away so i couldn't hear what she was saying but my guide said what they do and the reason that the reason that they're there to greet people when they cross over is because so many of us forget where we come from and especially as you get into a lifetime you might forget all about your life on the other side and that's by design we come into life we lose our memories so that we can test ourselves and grow through different experiences so my guide said watch him so as i was watching him and as she was talking to him he began to change it was the craziest thing he he changed into a man in his 30s and my guide said all of us are in our 30s and i don't know why that is i don't know if it has anything to do with jesus's life him dying at 33 i, I don't know just that all of us are in our 30s so after after he was done talking to her he had his memory back again okay i just came from a life on earth i'm back on the other side now i'm done through done with orientation I'm, I'm done now so he stood up and he walked between the columns and he went down three steps into the most beautiful gardens i've ever seen the only thing i can describe them like would be like english gardens in in england perfectly manicured just beautiful and the trees and the flowers absolutely gorgeous and the thing that i remember the most was the grass the grass was the most green grass i've ever seen it was like emerald green it was just beautiful and what happens is when we cross over when we come into the tunnel we go orientation we go into the garden the garden is where we have our reunion and all of us have this everybody who crossed before us in our lifetime whether it's your parents grandparents friends aunts uncles children everybody is there to greet you even everybody you knew on the other side everyone's there to greet you and this part was so amazing because i learned that coming to a, a life on earth it's a big deal it it's it's such a big deal because there are so many who don't want to come here because it's so hard. And I found out that life on Earth, this planet, is the hardest of all the planets. So the reason we have a reunion is people just want to congratulate us for having having the guts to come here in the first place. So that was the, that was the first place that he took me to was this orientation center. And the next thing he took me to was I, I think he did this because this might be the order of how things happen when we get over there, when, when we get back. We have what's called a life review. 
you know, when I had never heard any of this, when I had my experience back in 87, so I was just kind of going along with this whole thing. And so he said he was going to take me to the life review building. And again, this building was a little bit different. It was rectangle and it had marble columns all along the perimeter, but it wasn't as large as that orientation building. And he took me in and inside and it was, it was round on the inside. Like I was in some kind of a round, like a round theater. And instead of having one screen up front, like we have in our theaters today, it had screens all in a circle all around my head. And all of a sudden it started playing in every screen. As I looked at every screen, it was playing a different part of my life. Like when I was a child, when I was an infant, when I was an adolescent, when I started kindergarten, every, every screen had a different area of my life or a different age playing. And that's what we do when we have a life review. You can actually review your life as it happened and you can see it. And that's what they call a life review. The next place he took me to again was a, another, oh, oh and he, he wanted me to, he wanted me, everything he took me to, there was a reason. And everything they took me to, he wanted me to explain to people that I would meet in my lifetime, that this was kind of like, this is what you're supposed to do to tell people what you're shown. So the, the whole idea was to let people know that, yeah, you do have a life review and you can see your life just as it happened. The next place he took me to was very similar, but this one wasn't, this one wasn't round on the inside. It was just a regular rectangle and it looked like what we would describe as a regular movie theater. This one only had one screen in the front of the room. And he wanted me to, to he took me here to show me that past lifetimes are real. Now for me growing up, I had no information, no belief that, that lifetimes, that past lifetimes were real. It was never talked about in Catholicism. It was never addressed in church. Um, to that particular point of view there, it, it just wasn't real. So I had no experience in this. Well, he showed me three different lifetimes that I had had. One was I was a monk in a monastery. I, I, had, a, I had a shaved head and I was wearing a red gown. And what my job was is I, would, I taught kids about living in a temple or a monastery. That was my job during that life. The next one he showed me was I was a shoe peddler. I had a wheelbarrow and inside the wheelbarrow were shoes. And my job during that life was I fixed people's shoes in the village. I had like a little, a little house. Um, I fixed people's shoes and I brought them back to them. The third life he showed me was that of a fisherman. And I had a little raggedy boat on a lake. I had a net and my job for the community was to catch fish. And I didn't look anything like myself, but I knew that those lifetimes were me. And the biggest thing he wanted me to tell people was that you don't only have one shot on earth. You can have as many lifetimes as you want to learn, to grow, to develop, to evolve. We all have many, many different lifetimes. So I thought that was just fantastic. Here is one of my favorite places. The next place he took me to 
um, how do I describe it? It was, it was circular, um, a huge, again, all these buildings were just enormous. This one again was huge and it was in a circle. It was a round kind of a building. And on the outside, it had marble columns again, all the way around the whole circular. And on the top, there was a big dome. And there was a building in Rome that looks like this, but the one I saw was much, much larger. And what, it, what this building was, and again, I don't know why, but this is where we go when we wanna plan a lifetime. And your guide comes with you to help you plan your life. So we go in and he takes me to a marble table. And on this table were two scrolls. You know what papyrus, papyrus looks like, kind of like uh, what you think the Egyptians would write on? Mm-hmm. That's what these looked like. They were rolled up, there were two. One had a red ribbon and the other had a blue ribbon. And I, I don't know what that signified and I don't know why there were two. So I, I picked up the one that had the blue ribbon on it and I untied it and I went to unfold it on the table. And as I went to look at it, I could see that it was black lettering, black writing, and it looked like calligraphy. Do you remember how calligraphy looks? Yeah. You take your pen, you dip it in the black ink and, and it, it looked just like that. Well, as I went to try to read it, it folded up and I couldn't see it, I couldn't read it. And the reason was I wasn't allowed to read about my life because it might invalidate what I came here to learn. Well, I I learned that our lifetimes are planned. They're not accidents. We actually chart the kinds of things we wanna learn. Like, why do you wanna come into life for this reason? What do you wanna learn? Do you wanna learn compassion? Do you wanna learn forgiveness? Do you wanna learn love? Everything is written out. And it's very detailed, like what country you're going to live in, what language are you going to learn, what kind of job are you going to have, what's your career going to be, all of that is actually on there. And everybody has a scroll, and there are millions of scrolls. All of our scrolls are kept in, in, this, in this building. Well, here's something that I found extraordinary. Have you ever heard the term soulmate? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you're. I'm sure a lot of your listeners have heard that too. Well, I, I had never heard that before, but we actually have soulmates, and a soulmate is a person that God created with you to be your perfect mate on the other side. That you you have a perfect mate for eternity, but you don't always have your soulmate come into life with you, because one of the things that we learn the most from is our relationships. And if you had your perfect relationship with you on earth, you may not learn things because it's your perfect partner. So usually your your soulmate's on the other side when you come into a life. Well, here's something he wanted to show me. Everybody has a book on the other side about, about who they are, all their different lifetimes, what they've learned who they are, what they believe. I mean, and, and they're, they look like Encyclopedia Britannica's. And he took me to, my guide took me to my soulmate's book to show me what these look like. And if you look, if you were to imagine the, the back or the binding of an Encyclopedia Britannica, yeah. they usually have writing that goes across the top, you know? Well, this one had writing that went down, it went vertical. And the letters are written in gold. 
and every one of our soulmates has a book and that person's name is written on it. And mine said N-I-N-A, Nina. My soulmate's name is Nina. And we all have them. All of us have soulmates. And they wanted me to, to tell people that, yeah, you, you really do have a perfect mate. You just don't always find that person here on earth. They're on the other side. So that was that, was that building. The next one he took me to, I think, was probably one of my favorites. This building looked like a stadium, like a, like a football stadium. It was just enormous, massive. So he took me on the inside. And on the inside were thousands of seats. And all the lights were on. And was, you could see all these different seats. And what I was in was a planetarium. Do you, do you know what a planetarium is? Mm-hmm. I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I used to go to them when I was a kid. Yeah. Well, I, what I, where I was was a planetarium. And there was a, a gentleman behind me. I never, I don't know why I didn't turn around to look. I, I just, I didn't. But he was, his job on the other side was he ran the planetarium. And something that's really interesting is everybody on the other side has jobs but they're not jobs like we have, where you have to go to a job, you've got to earn money, you've got to pay your bills, your rent, your utilities, food. We don't, that doesn't exist on the other side. People have jobs doing the things that they love to do. And this guy who was behind me loved running this planetarium. He knew everything about space and stars and, and planets. And he said, let's begin. So all the lights went off and I sat down and he started telling me these extraordinary things. He said, when you look at the stars, this is what you see. And what he meant by that was not just me, but humanity, everybody on earth. When you look at the stars, this is what you see. And he started showing our solar system, like Jupiter showed up, then Saturn, then Mars, uh, Uranus, uh, Earth, Mercury, all of our solar system showed up on the ceiling. And that's because when we look at the stars from our perspective on Earth, from our level of development and technology, that's what we see. And then that disappeared. And he said, when we look at the stars, this is what we see. And he was referring to everybody on the other side, everybody who's back home. And all of a sudden, he started showing planet after planet. First, there were dozens, then hundreds, then thousands and millions of planets and all of them different colors. Some were blue like earth, some were yellow, some were brown, some were green, and they all had lives on them. They all had life on them. And he said, there is far more life in the universe than you can possibly know. And Shannon, this was the part where I, I just got blown away because he said, or he's, every one of these planets had life. And Earth is not the only planet that we can have a lifetime on. Learning is forever. Learning never ends. And every one of these other millions and millions of planets we can have lifetimes on. And there's so much that we can learn by going through these different lifetimes on different planets. So if you want to try a different planet, you certainly can. 
Earth is not the only place. I just thought that was because I love astronomy. I've yeah. always loved it. I remember I took a class in college, but I had to drop it because I, I could not understand the math. The, the math in astronomy is extraordinary. Just, just the distances of galaxy from galaxy to one galaxy to the next. But that was, that was something that just, I was overjoyed seeing and learning about the other side and about different planets. So here's the next place he took me to. This one, again, was looked like beautiful white marble as far down as I could see a rectangle, huge building, but it didn't have columns on the sides. The only columns it had were in the front. And it looked, it looked like our, um, one of our justices, like the Supreme Justice building with the columns up top. And it had a whole bunch of stairs that you had to walk up to get to the top of this building. So then he took me inside and it was a library because there were huge, tall bookshelves full of books. And there were people everywhere. And this is this was the first time that I really saw people. And they looked just like we do, different shapes. They're, some people are tall, some people are short. Every ethnicity, every race, everybody is represented on the other side. And the place that he took me to, it was just a small area of the other side. The other side is, is kind of like a planet. It's just humongous, huge. And what makes the other side so different is that it's an absolute paradise because there's no war there. There's no fighting. There's no violence. There's no hunger. There's no racism. It's, it's like life on earth, only perfect, like a paradise. So anyway, I was in this library and I saw all these different people. And uh, this is interesting too, that you can wear whatever you want to wear. Most people wear tunics or gowns, kind of like you, you'd see people in Greece or Rome. And I said in my mind, I wonder why they dress like that. And my guide must have heard me because he said, that's what people feel to be the most comfortable. But people can wear whatever they want. There were people who were wearing jeans and a t-shirt. Just, just amazing. So that was the library. And then he took me to the left-hand side of the library. And on the left-hand side were these rooms. And they were kind of like what you would think of a study room in our common libraries. Every library has study rooms. You, know, you can you put them on hold and you can have a study room for a couple of hours. That's what these rooms looked like. They were the size of what of maybe an, an average master bedroom looks like. And he took me to one of them and there was a woman who was sitting, she had her back to me sitting on the couch and she had jet long black hair and she was wearing like a purplish kind of maroon gown or tunic. And she was watching what we would think today is a, a flat screen TV mounted on the wall. And to me, it was, it was amazing because back in 87, we didn't have TVs like that. We had those ones that just had huge backs to them. You, they were on tables. You couldn't mount them on a wall. So this one looked like a flat screen, maybe a 60 inch flat screen television. And I, I asked, what was she watching? And my guide said she was watching a battle that took place 200 years ago between the Native Americans Plains tribes and the US cavalry. 
And as I was watching this, he said, this happened in real time. And I, I, and this was where I started to really start to understand, maybe I'm not, maybe something happened to me that this isn't in the hospital. And I, I said to myself, how is it possible that somebody could be watching something that happened 200 years ago because we didn't have video recorders back then. And my guide said, everything gets recorded. So these rooms, if you wanted to look at any particular type of history on earth, you could go to these rooms. I don't know how the video screens work. I don't know if they're, if they have like what we call CDs that you, you put in or, but any particular era of Earth's history that you want to learn about, you can go in and watch it in real time. Like, let's say you wanted to see what happened with the Titanic. You could see that. If you wanted to watch what happened in World War I, you could see that. And again, I, I don't know how that happens, but somehow God has orchestrated it that everything is recorded. Our lifetimes are recorded. Everything in history is recorded. That's why you, on the life review, you can see what your life was like. And I don't understand, you know, I, I cannot fathom how God can do that. How can everything be recorded? It's just extraordinary. So that was, that was the, what I call the library building. The next thing he took me to was a castle. And this castle looked just like the castles look in medieval Europe. Beautiful mar are not marble but they were made out of solid rock and you could see they were built upon each other the different blocks of rock to make the castles it's just an absolutely gorgeous castle and the other side is full of learning it's almost like when god created us he hardwired us to want to learn because everything on the other side is also about learning not everything. If you just want to hang out with friends, you can do that. You can go to music festivals. You can paint. You can swim in the ocean. You can, anything you love to do on earth, you can do on the other side. So people go to this, to this place on the other side where these castles are to learn about what life was like in medieval Europe. So my guide said to walk in. And as I walked in, I could see the ground was covered with a beautiful red ornate carpet. All the way as far as you could see was this beautiful red ornate carpet. And on the left and the right of these castle walls, there were life-size paintings of the people that had lived there, the royalty, the kings, the queens, the princes, everybody had a life-size painting and the painting was what they looked like back then, a life-size painting, and was also depicted as what they were wearing during that time in history, on all the way down on both sides. And in front of, in front of every picture, there was a podium. And on the podium, there was a book. And the book was about that person's life. Everything was detailed in it, where they were born, where they went to school, what they learned, um, what kind of a person they were, what kind of decisions did they make? Did they care about the people they were over? Did they, did they make a difference with their, you know, with their lifetime? So all of that was there. And off to my right, you know how castles have those round circular staircases? There was a, as soon as I looked up, there was a, a girl 
a woman who was walking down the staircase. She had kind of reddish blonde strawberry hair and she was wearing kind of a peach looking gown. And she walked up to me and she said, is there anything I can help you find? And Shannon, even to this day, I still kick myself because of what I said to her. You know what I said? I said, oh, no, thanks. I'm just looking. <laughs> How stupid would I have to be to say that? I could have asked this girl anything. Where, where was I? Who are you? Where am I? What, I was supposed to be having surgery. What's going on? Well, I didn't say any of that. And my guide told me that what she loves to do on the other side is be a historian of on earth, the medieval type of England. So if you wanted to learn about England and you wanted to learn about kings and queens and, and royalty, you could go to this particular area of the other side and look at that person's book or talk to her. And she could tell you everything about that time in earth's history. And I thought that was just phenomenal. I was, I was just amazed to know that learning never ends. And the other side is just full of opportunities to learn and to grow spiritually. Well, so here's the next place he took me. And this was, this was the last part of my near-death experience. My guide took me to a wildflower field. It was absolutely the most Anything, if you could imagine a field, a wildflower field, this is what it looked like. Rolling hills, the, the, it was bright, the, the sky was blue, just a beautiful field. And my guide left, he left me there. And all of a sudden in front of me appeared a man. And I could see his hair, he had brown hair. I could see his hands, he was wearing a white gown with a golden sash and he was wearing golden sandals that laced up his calves and i couldn't see his face because there was so much light coming out of his face like energy and he was different from everybody else nobody else that i saw had that light but this person did and you know who it was it was jesus I just knew that. And he spoke to me and he said, you must tell them there is no death. And he was meaning that I was supposed to tell people that I meet that there is no death, that that is my job. That's what I am giving you to do. He didn't ask me that. He didn't say, okay, John, would you mind telling people what you saw here and tell people there is no death? He told me that you must tell them there is no death. And the very second he said that, I was boom, right back in my body in that operating room with everybody staring down, looking at me. Well, I had no idea what happened. And I asked my surgeon, I said, what just happened? Hoping maybe he could explain to me what happened, where, where I was. He said, we lost you. We lost you for seven minutes. I was like, oh my gosh, I, I, I died. And I had no idea. It took me about a day and a half after that before I realized what had happened. I told my mom, I, I shared everything with her, told her everything that happened. And she gave me a book by Raymond Moody called Life After Life. Because back in the 80s, the near-death experience, that wasn't even a terminology. Nobody was talking about that. So I didn't know what had happened. 
So it took me about a day and a half before I realized, okay, John, you had a near-death experience. And one thing I want to tell your audience is more than anything, my experience was absolutely hopeful, hopeful for all of us, for everybody to know that we really come here for a reason, that it's not our home. We're just here to learn. And that anybody who crossed before you, whether you lost your mom, your dad, your grandparents, and God forbid for those people who've lost their children, nobody's ever really lost. They're just in a different place that we can't see right now. And when, when our lifetimes are finished, we go back home and all of our loved ones are there waiting for us. So I, I think more than anything, my story is one of hope. And I hope that your listeners can get some comfort from my experience and to feel, to feel better knowing that there really is no death. Thank you and that so was, much. That was, that was my whole experience. That's incredible and beautiful. And I know that so many of us can use that message throughout our lives, but especially it feels like maybe it's just me, but I feel like lately it's been really rough for a lot of people, at least a lot oh of my, people. Oh my gosh. Both, yep. Absolutely. Right? It's not just in my orbit. Um, nope. A lot of tragedy, a lot of people losing people. One of my best mm -hmm. friends lost her baby. Uh, it's just been That's a really rough as you were saying, and I think, and I've been in a real, I don't get into funks, but I've been in a real funk lately, like just struggling. I'm fine. Yeah. I'm just in a yeah. struggly place. And so I know when I hear this kind of story, it just brings me so much peace. And I know and trust that it will for others as well. Just I hope a, so. Yeah. Thank you. I just have a few questions, obviously. Oh, sure. You represent the strawberry blonde woman in a sense where you have you may not have all the knowledge, but I'd still love to know what you do know or what you do think. You know how we come into this world, as you said, and we're not supposed to remember who we are because if we did, it would be too easy. Uh, we yeah. wouldn't learn, right? Because we have to yeah. navigate this world. And then yet there's so many people that have near-death experiences where Jesus or another soul tells them, go tell the people. Why do you think it is just, I mean, you may not know, but what's your feeling about why on one hand, we're meant to be sort of blinded, but on the other side, we're being, we're being called to wake up and to remember who we are. I think probably the, one of the biggest reasons is, is for learning, like you said, growth and learning is what we come here for. But we're, we also come here to make this world a better planet. Yeah. There is there is so much suffering here. There's so much hunger and so much racism and violence. And one of the reasons we come here is to, it's like a, like a cliche. You hear that to, to make the world a better place for you having been in it. And that's, I think, why we're here. And I always think of in the Bible, you know, I'm not, I'm not really what I would consider myself to be a Christian because I have a really hard time with a lot of the dogma of Christianity, but I believe in Jesus's life yeah. and what he taught. And he basically taught just two things. Don't judge and love each other. And I think if we could do more of that, 
we could actually change the planet for good. But um, it's a really good question. And I, I wish I could give you more detail. It's just, it's, I know that this world is the hardest of all of them in terms of what this planet has evolved into thus far. And that there is so much more potential for this world. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons that we're here to try to try to bump it along, move people along, like you said, to help raise people's awareness of the truth. Yeah, I'm a real lover of life. And lately I've been driving for Uber Eats, so I deliver food. Yeah. Um, yeah. Part of my, you know, it's work has been a little struggly, as I said. And I was thinking last night as I was driving, because driving takes me to all kinds of neighborhoods. It takes me oh, places yeah. I would never go. And I was thinking to myself about how so many people like you have said that, that earth is the most difficult to come in, incarnate into, but we choose it for our soul's growth. And right. I'm just driving for days on end and seeing, I mean, I'm in not just the projects, but the projects, there's no Wi-Fi, there's no nothing. It's like a planet unto itself. Yep. I don't feel safe. And yet there are little kids there and like people are turning away when I'm, you know, trying to greet them. And there's just this like people that are cloaked in this world that I was like, I don't get to see this very often. And yeah. I was thinking yeah. about how, uh, and I literally thought last night, I don't want to come back here again, like to, to be reincarnated into this world. Right. Yeah, like, and I, I love life, but I thought, I don't want to be here again. This is hard. And then I asked my spirit guides and whoever was listening, I said, Jesus, God, <laughs> spirits, Show me yeah. what I'm here to do, because I'm really struggling to make a living doing the things that I'm good at, that I love, um, yeah. because I'm, I'm an right with you. Right. And I'm like, I'm an actor and I'm and I have all these. And I was like, but what am I here? I know that I'm here to do something, but how can I do it and also support myself? And kind of what I heard back was you're doing it. Literally, this is what the reason like one of the reasons I'm being pushed to do things like drive for Uber Eats is because I do need to see what's happening because I need to greet these people, whether they turn their heads or not, because they're there. I know the you know, I, I drove the other night and I couldn't find the building and I, I didn't want to get out. And I was like, excuse me. And no, everyone looked away because they probably thought I was yeah. like a, a cop or something. Right. Cause what is yeah. she doing here yeah. in our neighborhood in her orange Subaru? Um, and I thought these people are just so accustomed to fear and violence and secrecy and there are people riding by yeah. making drug deals. And I'm like, this is a whole other world. But I said, I am not going to fear it. I'm getting out of my car and I'm confronting them like as a loving soul. Yeah. And I just said, hi, yeah. I would love it. You know, I'm looking for this thing. And they get and finally somebody gave me information. I said, thank you so much, love. Like, I really appreciate that. And I just was like, I'm focusing on connecting. And it was sort of like the message was we're we're so divided by our yeah. socioeconomic class and whatever else. And we all live in fear. They're afraid of me. I'm afraid of them. You know, we don't. And I just thought, I trust my spirit guides and God will protect me. I, I'm just going to trust as I walk into this. And I do yeah, it every yeah. day. Like, I am not going to be afraid to walk up to their door and say hi and connect with them and say something kind or like smile at somebody who isn't used to that. And I thought, I think that kind of is the answer is like, sometimes that is just what we're here for. As you're describing that, I thought to myself, you have learned an extraordinarily valuable lesson. That's something a lot of people don't learn, even, even in their whole lifetimes. 
Yeah. That's, that's incredible. I, um, I remember there's a quote by Eleanor Roosevelt and she said, the purpose of life is to live it. And you're doing that. You're doing exactly right. that. And you probably are already doing what you came here for. Mm-hmm. You, you have a remarkable radio voice. You have really good um, diction, really good pronunciation. You, you, could, you could do this. You could do radio if you wanted to or have a podcast. Maybe that's going to be in your future. Yeah, I'm a, I am a voice actor and I was doing really, really well with it for many years in, when I lived in L.A., yeah. A lot of circumstances happened, which I know I was removed from it. Um, vocal disorder, uh, a lo- you know, and that that was the the main impetus. And then just started yeah. things just started to change. And I asked, why is this happening to me? I finally found my thing, but I was in this booth ten hours a day. I was oh. all I was doing was voiceover, voiceover, voiceover. And then finally, the universe was like. That's not what you're here for. I mean, you're, you can do that, but that's not why you're here. And for two years, I couldn't do it. And so, and I kept cursing, like, why is this happening to me? Why? This is, it worked so hard to get here. And then I had to ask, what is the, what is this? I know you're being redirecting me. That's when I started this podcast because I got, I was able to speak enough to do this. And then it kind of led me down oh no, I'm financially struggling a lot. Um, and, but I'm not going to get a corporate job because that's not serving. I'm not serving anyone by doing that. It's not what I care about. It's not what I want to do. I don't want to be depressed. And I think the lesson is, as we were talking about, the lesson really is sometimes you need to struggle to lead you down this path, which is, as we, as I just said, um, I need to kind of know what it's like to struggle more. I have in the past, I have a lot because I'm an actor. That's just how it goes. But what am I here for? I'm here to connect everyone. I to touch and connect with everyone I meet as you are, as we all are. It's not just me. It's shine your light in these dark places and it may not change their life, but you're putting this good energy out and show and like connecting people by saying, I'm not afraid to walk Absolutely. into your world, um, yep. which I mean, I kind of, you know, there's a, there is some fear of I'm alone. I'm a woman. This is, there's a, I can see a lot of crime happening right in my vicinity, but I'm like, I'm going to trust God to protect me. I'm not going to be stupid, but I'm also just going to look people in the eye and show and like see their humanity. And, and I even thought about it. I thought if anything were to ever happen, this is while I'm driving. If anyone ever accosted me, assaulted me, whatever, I realized what I would say to them was something like, I am you and you are me. I totally throw them off. Like, you know, I was like, no matter what was happening, I wouldn't react. I would, I just have decided, like, if anything happens to me, I will look at them and say, you are a reflection of me and I'm a reflection of you. And just remembering that. I know that's such a weird thought, but this is where my mind went as I was delivering to another really scary neighborhood. And I walked up and I just confidently came to the door and was like, here's your delivery. And the guy was like, Hey, thank you. And I was like, he said, I appreciate you. And I said, I appreciate you. And I just walked away and thought, you know, even if something ever happened, I would just remember the, that is a soul. I am a soul having different experiences. And that is how I, and maybe that alone is enough for right now. See, if every, if everybody knew that there wouldn't be war on this planet, it would be a peaceful planet. I know, but then what would we, what would be the challenge and what would we learn? Yeah, exactly. 
Yep, that's exactly it. We, we do come here to learn. And what's so ironic about what I learned about learning here is that we never learn when everything is perfect. Yeah. That's why the other, the other side, you can still learn there, but you don't have the experience. It's like trying to describe to somebody what it's like to ride a bike. Yeah. You can't really describe it. You have to actually do it. So when we're here, just like you mentioned a couple of minutes ago, people do have hard times here. Everybody does. But if you look back at your life, those are the situations that forced us to learn the most. Like when, I, like whenever I had a relationship breakup, I learned so much. Every time I failed at something, I failed at a job or I, I, that's where I've learned the most. We don't learn the most when everything is going great. And you have to ask yourself in those, in those times of struggle, what can this teach me? What can I learn from this? And I try to do that now. It's taken me a long time to get to that point, but I try to learn as much as I can because that's all we take with us. There was something that um, Denzel Washington said that I, I absolutely love. He said, you'll never see a U-Haul behind a hearse because you can't take anything with you. Mm-hmm. The only thing you take with you is the love in your heart and what you learned. And that's what matters. It doesn't matter about material things or possessions or how big your house is or what kind of car you drive. None of that stuff matters. Because when you get back, they're not going to ask you, what did you accomplish? What, what did you achieve in your life? How much money did you make? None, none of that stuff is real. It doesn't make any difference at all. It's just, who, do you, who have you helped? Did you live your life in kindness? And that's enough. Because it is, you're right, it is really tough here. And I, I don't want to come back either. Yeah, and I love what you just said, because I also am made very aware. I've always been aware of how blessed I am, of how I even said out loud as I'm driving, because I've been doing this for days, driving through some really scary, sad neighborhoods where people mumble, they can't even form full sentences when I talk to them yeah. because they're so shut down. And they don't, they just don't look at you. They don't talk. They barely, it's just, just this cloak that was really of depression sort of. And, um, and as I was thinking, God, I really don't want to do this. I was also thinking it's another reminder that even though I may have my own struggles, I said, thank you, God, or whoever was responsible for that. I said, spirit guides, whoever was responsible for helping me choose this life. I just thank you because I came from a beautiful family. I was I'm very, very grateful that I am not in this kind of poverty. I never had to worry right. about that. And then I also reminded myself, look, so you're in debt. So rent is due in two days and you're about $800 short. And I agreed to, yep, I've, thank I've, you for yep. saying that. <laughs> and I said, all right, first of all, I'm going to call on Jesus. And I'm just going to say, show me what you can do. But also I want to um, remember, remind myself it's just money. Money's a concept. You can't take it with you. Like I thought that isn't, yep. it's not real. Like it's not, it's important to a degree, but it's not real. I'm not going to be homeless, right? Okay. Even if I couldn't pay it and my credit went bad, I'm still breathing. I'm still in this body. I'm still alive. I still have family and friends. Nothing bad's going to happen. This is all a concept in my mind that I'm stressing about that really has nothing to do with reality because what you experienced is reality. This is a simulation. It's a game 
for us to learn how to get to the next level. And guess what? Within two days, that $800 came together. Like it, I just, in all these different little ways, you know, where it was like, I have two days, I have two days and my, I was, couldn't sleep. And I was, and I'm like, and then I just kept saying, just trust and just know, just play the game, like just relax. And I didn't, I wasn't able to fully relax, but that's why I love stories like yours. And, and I, of course, have friends right now going through way worse, way worse than just stress, right? I mean, like yep. literal losing a child, losing grandparents, losing parents, losing yep. friends, um, having finding out they have diseases, you know, that kind of thing. And part of the motivation for doing this podcast is to bring hope to people by sharing stories like yours, because we all need to hear it. And maybe not everyone will believe it, and that's okay. That's their path. But I know that the people who it, who are open to it will find so much peace in knowing that it's not that this world doesn't matter. It matters very much. Our loved ones matter very much. But like you said, at the end of the day, um, Laura Lynn Jackson, the medium, once said in her book, I think, this is all a stage play. And when it's over, we all meet up backstage. So at the That's end wonderful. of the day, it's, yeah. yeah, it's all good. When we say, when people say it's all good, I used to go, well, no, it isn't all good. Now I can yeah. see that. Yeah, it is. It's hard. You can't put that into, I mean, it's, it sounds impossible from our perspective. Exactly. You know, lose, losing a child, that is not okay. I mean, but once we get to the other side, we'll understand. Exactly. Yep. That's exactly true. Yeah. So I think you're going to yeah. do great on this podcast. You're going to have, you're going to, you're going to do great. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And it's because of people like you that make it what it is. And the people who listen and tune in and support, thank you, thank you, thank you. And on that note, I know I've just started to to remind people the way you can support this podcast for free, comment, like, share, subscribe, because it's all an algorithm. And the more YouTube knows that you're there, that you're engaging, the more the word spreads, the more people get messages of hope and inspiration. And so thank you all for being here. Thank you, John. You are a fabulous person. I'm looking forward to being in touch with you as I am with all of my guests as much as we possibly can be. Um, And just thank you for showing up and sharing your story and light. It means the world. Well, thank you so much, Shannon, for inviting me. I, I love sharing my story and I love being a guest on your show. So thank you. 